Thank you. So good to be here. I, I flew straight from uh, Los Angeles last night. I was speaking there last night and took a red eye. And so I haven't slept, you know, in, in, in a long time. Um, but it is good to be here. And, and the, the thing I was, I was wrestling with as I'm, I'm praying is going, God, it's, it's so hard for me to, aside from being tired, it is so hard for me to speak in a place like the Bahamas. And here's why. It's so beautiful. It's so laid back. You know, and my nature is just to be laid back. And yet, when I read this book, there's nothing laid back about it. You know what I mean? There's like an intensity all through this book where I go, God, I don't, I don't want to come up here and go, oh, well, it's Bahamas. I'm tired. Let's just kind of, you know, give a nice little message and go on because I look in Scripture and the way this God talks, it is so intense. In fact, the first sermon I ever preached at my church, 20 years ago, I started a church out of my house and uh, the Lord blessed it and just grew like crazy. But the very first message I gave was, I chose the book of Malachi. You know, not usually the first book you would pick, but in the book of Malachi, in chapter 1, it was a, it was a passage that hit me so hard that I go, you know what, I want to preach this the very first Sunday. Because Malachi, it's interesting, it's the last book in the Old Testament, and to me, there's some similarities. Because you've got to imagine... For thousands of years, people were saying this Messiah is going to come. And so after a while, people heard it, all these generations, yeah, this Messiah is going to come, and he hasn't come. And so by the time of Malachi, before Jesus actually comes, can you imagine how people would get complacent, like, okay, we've been hearing this for thousands of years, literally. And I thought, gosh, you know, that's so unique. That's just like us. A lot of us, we grew up, remember the first time, some of you that are older, uh, the first time you heard about the return of Christ? And you remember how you just thought, wow, that might be tonight. Might be tonight, right? And then, and then you, you, you may have changed the way you lived for a week because you're thinking, what if he returns this week? You know, and then, you know, the pastor doesn't preach about it for another year. And then next year, same thing, the return of Christ message, right? And you get all intense. And then as the years go by, pretty soon it's like, yeah, another return of Christ message. Yeah, Jesus might return. And we can have this kind of laid back attitude. And what, what, what God says through his prophet Malachi, in Malachi chapter 1, in, in verse 6, he says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If I'm a father, where's my honor? If I'm a master, where's my fear? Says a Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. He, he goes on and he, he says, you know, you, you, you put polluted food on my altar. Verse 8, he says, when you offer blind animals and sacrifice, isn't that evil? When you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you? And, and, and so and then in verse 10, he says, Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. I have no pleasure from you. And I share that first Sunday because I go, Look, God says to these people, they showed up to sacrifice. They showed up to the service. 
And in fact, they brought something with them, but God looked at what they brought and he goes, are you kidding me right now? You know, they were supposed to bring the best of their flock. And, and these people, because they've been coming to the temple so long, it's like they had the perfect animal and they chose to give him the leftovers. They said, oh, there's a perfect sheep there, but look, there's one with three legs and one eye. He keeps running in the trees. Let's give him that. And, and God, God doesn't go, well, that's cool. At least you brought me something. God says, that's evil. He goes, you won't even give that to your governor. You're going to give it to God? And then he says those words, oh, that someone among you would shut the doors to that place. That's what God said to these people. See, I used to think when I grew up in church, I used to think that anything we gave to God was good. That's good enough. Man, God's happy that I just showed up. God's happy that I just sang. You know, I remember we, we had a youth pastor, and he'd stand up here with a guitar and go, come on, sing. You know, and he's like, okay, guys against girls, who will sing louder, you know? And then once we start singing, it's okay, good, good, good. And, and I almost had this impression like God was just glad that I sang. But in this passage, he's saying, no, not if you're going to sing to me like that. Now, if you're going to bring me some sacrifice that you won't even give another human being, I'm God. And he goes on, he says, he goes, you know what? In every place, incense is going to be burned in my name, an offering that's pure. My name will be great among the nations. God says, look, if you guys don't want to give me your best, please just shut the door to that place. Because, you know, I'm a great God, and there are people all around this planet who are going to worship me. Man, I've been to China, underground China, where these people are just screaming their heads off, you know, to the Lord. I've been in India, where people are getting beat, persecuted for their faith. They come in with scars, cuts, missing arms, people that have seen their relatives martyred, and they're worshiping God with all their heart. And so when I go back to America, I'm going, man, look, that was, that's why this was my first sermon. I go, look, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. Okay, let's just not even have church if we're going to do this half-heartedly. Because God's not pleased. In fact, he looks at it as an insult. And then if you read on, this is the crazy thing. I didn't even mean to talk about this tonight. But in, in chapter 2, in chapter 2, he tells the priest, he goes, if you guys, he tells the priests, if you guys don't repent, he goes, I'm going to take the refuse from your offerings and I'm going to smear it in your faces. God says this. The, the refuse, that, that was like the, the parts of the body that couldn't be burned right there, that it couldn't sacrifice. It was the dung. You understand that? He, he's telling these priests, he goes, man, I'm a great God. God goes, do you, do you understand who I am? I deserve your best. And so if you're going to do that, you're going to continue to bring those, those sacrifices to me, I'm going to grab all those intestines, I'm going to grab all the dung, all, all you know, that, 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 that cow left behind, and I'm going to shove it in your face. Like, did, did you know these verses are in Scripture? That this is how God speaks. He goes, I'm a great God. You don't talk to me like that. You don't treat me like that. See, a lot of times in church, this, I grew up going to church, Okay. And maybe a lot of you grew up in the church, and so we just showed up, we kind of did our thing, we prayed, we sang, we, you know, ate, and, you know, went and played basketball afterwards. And that, to me, was the highlight. 
you know, you just, you just kind of do your thing. And you're told to believe in him. You're told to pray to him. You're told to sing to him. You're to... But no one really described what God was like to me. And I'll, I'll never forget the time when I started reading the scriptures for myself. And I'm going, are you kidding me? That's, that's the God we're talking about? That's the God that I pray to? Man, I mean, I used to be so casual about my prayers. I was so laid back. I, I, just, I, I just didn't get it. And then I read what God was like. It changed everything. I, I, I mean, because I, it, was, I, it, was, it was when I was in college, um, I, I was already in ministry even. I had decided to go into ministry. And um, <laughs> I, I was an intern for the youth ministry, but I, I had this other job. It was a really dumb job. I used to, um, I used to sell vacuum cleaners door to door. Okay, I don't know if you guys do that out here. They had these things called Kirby vacuum cleaners. Okay, and this is... 30 years ago, we used to sell these things for $1,400 30 years ago. Door to door, trying to sell vacuum cleaners for $1,400 back in the 80s. Okay, talk about a miserable job. But this is, but here's the thing is, it was, and you get nothing if you don't sell it, you know. And, and so I remember one time, um, you know, so this is, this is what I did in the daytime. I would sell vacuum cleaners. And one time I'm at lunch with my partner and, and he goes, man, let's just do something different at this next house. I'm like, all right, what do you want to do? He goes, let's pretend you don't speak English. <laughs> I go, what's that going to do? I mean, how, how are we going to pull that out? He goes, he goes, you just demonstrate the whole thing in Chinese and I'll translate for you. And I'm like, you don't speak Chinese, you're white, you know, like, what do you, he goes, I'll fake it, you know, and I trusted him, because he was an awesome liar, and uh, <laughs> so I went home, I still remember, I went home, I put on, like, these Chinese clothes that my grandma had sent me, and I never wore, you know, I put them on, and no practice whatsoever, we go to the next door, and my friend Ted's like, hi, my name's Ted, this is my partner, Yan Fan, you know, and I, <laughs> That's really my Chinese name, so don't laugh at that. Okay. Okay. So he goes, that's Yanfan. I go, ah, ha, ha, you know, and we go in this house, right? And you ever been in that situation where you can't laugh, but everything in you is just dying, right? You know, because I'm just opening up this box, taking this vacuum cleaner out, and I can't even look him in the face, and I'm just going, you know, and I'm just talking about and he just starts saying stuff, you know, that has nothing to do with what I just said, but he's just making stuff up. And, and I'm like, just try not to laugh. And I'm just, you know, wow, you know, and I'm just, and he would just say another thing. And we were able to keep a straight face. But then the lady looks at Ted and goes, oh, I want you to ask him a question for me. Uh, oh, no. You know, and just like, you know, ask him about his family. How many brothers does he have? And, and Ted just looks at me and goes, Chom, chom, chom. <laughs> he makes the dumbest noises, right? And I can't hold it back anymore. Now I'm just laughing because I thought that was the stupidest sound I've ever heard. 
I'm on the ground, like grabbing my stomach, laughing. He's laughing. I mean, it's just ridiculous, right? Get this, the lady looks at us and goes, what's so funny? And Ted says, I just told Young Fawn a joke. And she believed us. Seriously, we keep going on in this thing and, and we're, we're just doing this whole, I mean, it's just more for fun. And then this, you know, Ted leaves to go to the bathroom for a second and leaves me alone with this woman. And so we're just staring at each other, you know, and she's finally like, hello. You know? And I'm going, this is not happening. You know, I'm just going, uh, hello, you know, and I'm just playing along, right? And she's like pointing to things chair there's a chair you know <laughs> Ted comes back and she's all excited going Ted look what I taught young fun you know? <laughs> oh, hero chair you know but here's the thing okay it gets to the end and we're about to you know ask her if she wants to buy it Ted goes off on this total lie crazy story about how hard it is for me to make it in this country how I still send money back to my my, my, my parents, you know, in Hong Kong, and this and that, and, and uh, the lady bought it. <laughs> and so, like, we're kind of in shock, and, you know, we drive off, and we're just laughing hysterically. You know, I'm telling them about all this, I remember this, remember this, you know, doing all this stuff. And then, uh, you know, Ted looks at me, he goes, this works. And we started doing this at every house. And, and it's not, it's bad enough that we would lie, but the worst part was, like, after a while he realized, once these ladies, you know, were just fixated on the story and, and cared about me, uh, they'd ask, okay, so how much is this thing? And I remember Ted looking at this one lady and going, oh, it's $2,000. And she bought it for two grand and we pocketed the extra 600 bucks. So that's what I did in the day. <laughs> and then at night I would teach the youth. And, and seriously, in my head, you guys, it's, it's weird. This is how off I was about him. It didn't bother me. Because church was like a game. I was just, as long as people in the church don't know what's going on, as long as I can hide some of my sin, because I didn't even get the fact that someone's actually watching. And I didn't take that seriously. And I remember it was during those days that I started reading the Bible for myself, and I remember just reading a description of God, and I'm telling you, it changed everything. The very next day I went to work, I go, and I told God, I'm not going to tell a single lie today. There's no way I'm not going to lie at all. It changed the way I started praying. I used to casually just go, oh, God, thanks. You know, like I would open and pray. Hey, let's open in prayer. God, thanks for tonight. Great to be in the Bahamas. Amen. You guys, I can't do that anymore. Because I know who I'm talking to now. When I read the way the Bible described him, man, even as a college student, I couldn't even lay in bed. You know, I used to lay in bed and just kind of close my eyes and pray to God. Oh, God, thanks for this day. It was so good. And then I'd fall asleep, right? 
We, we've all done that, right? Or a lot of us have. And some of us, how many of you have done that thing where you fall asleep and then half an hour later you wake up and you think, did I say amen? Oh, amen. <laughs> let's, let's just be honest. How many have done that? You said amen like, see, that's so dumb. I mean, think about it. That's how bad our prayer life is. Did you think he didn't notice? Seriously, think about this. I've done it too. Did we think he didn't notice that we fell asleep for half an hour? And then we somehow could just wake up and go, amen, I got you. You guys, that's how dumb my prayer life had gotten. This is what happens in church. This is what was going on in the day of Malachi. It's just like, well, what? We're just doing this stuff. And God says, do you understand who I am? And when I read this passage, man, I got on my knees. I got out of bed and go, God, I'm so sorry for the way I've been talking to you. I'm so sorry for the way that I've been treating you. You've seen everything. You've watched everything. And that's why tonight even I go, okay, yeah, you know what? I'm tired. But you know what? I'm going to give him everything I got. Whatever's left in me, I'm giving it. I'm giving it. I have to. I have to. Otherwise, let's just go home. Okay? And if I'm going to pray, I'm not just going to close my eyes and throw a couple words up in the air. I know who I'm talking to. You know, and, and, and this, is, this is the way God deserves to be worshipped. Man, one of the passages that, that changed my life was Isaiah chapter 6. Some of you are familiar with Isaiah 6. Maybe you grew up with Isaiah 6. But for me, I'd never read Isaiah 6 until till I was in college. I, no one ever explained what God was like. Then I started reading Revelation 4, you know, and some of these other passages that actually describe what he's like. 1 Timothy 6. I'm going, man, that's what he's like? No one told me this stuff. Whenever I thought of God, all I thought about was, you know, those, those pictures you would see on the wall of Jesus with long blonde hair. Right? Holding little sheep, little kid on his lap. And so when I pray, those types of images come into my mind. And then I read the scriptures and I go, you got to be kidding me. And so I don't know what, what gets into, you know, what you think about when I say the word God. I don't know what picture comes into your mind. A.W. Tozer says that's the most important thing about you. It's what comes to mind when you think of God, what you think he is like. That is the most important thing about you. And I don't know what thought goes through your mind, but I'm just asking you for a night. Would you just erase it? Erase it for a second and let's go to scripture and see what God says about himself. Otherwise, we're going to make up our own God and we just assume he's just he's just like us. He's not like us. The Bible says he's holy. Holy means set apart. That means he's not like us. That's what holy means. He's set apart from us. That's why the angels scream, holy, holy, holy. He's like, man, this God is just not like us. He is so far beyond us. In fact, when Moses, when Moses said, God, can I, can I just see you? I mean, you're talking to me. I got the burning bush thing, but can I see you? I just want to see your face just for a second. I want to see what you look like. God says to Moses, no, no human being can see my face and live. Okay, think about that right now. What does that do to you? That right now in heaven, there's a being. This is reality. There's a being up there right now. 
that if he were to tear the roof off this place and let us just see his face for a second, we would all collapse and die. That's who we're talking about here. That's why I, that's why I can't play when it comes to this. Man, those who know me, man, I'll joke about everything, but when it comes to this, I go, okay, no, 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 no. He's holy. I, we say his name so much. We say the word God so much that it becomes common. But man, it's, it's like the Jews, they wouldn't even say God. They wouldn't say his name. They would just say Hashem. It just meant the name. They would never say the name of God. They just said Hashem. You know who I'm talking about? The name. The name. You know who I'm talking about. I don't dare say his name because I know who I'm talking about. I don't dare casually offer up these prayers. You, you know who I'm talking about. That's why in, in, in Isaiah chapter 6, it was the weirdest thing because every once in a while, and it was such a rare thing that God would allow a human being, like you and me, He allowed a human being to see Him. Like some veiled form, some vision or something, but He allowed a human being at that point in time to say, I'm going to give you a vision of me. And it says in, in Isaiah 6, he says something that none of us can say. He says, in the year of King Uzziah's death, he goes, I saw the Lord. I saw him. I saw the Lord, and he starts describing it. So erase the other pictures. Let's go to Scripture. Okay, because who knows where you got that other picture from? Some, something that someone painted? Or some image that's in your head that you made up yourself? With your own sinful mind, you created God? You know, let's look at Scripture. and What did Isaiah see? You know, and not that we can even imagine this the right way, because Isaiah is just trying to use words, and, and, and so I'm not trying to make an idol of this, but it's in here for a reason. Like God wanted us to see this passage. Isaiah says, I saw him. I saw the Lord, and it says he was sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Okay, let's just stop right there. If that's the only thing, let's just imagine tonight you walked in here, and what if, what if God showed himself in this room? What if you walked in and you saw a being sitting on a throne? Not a little chair like I'm sitting in, but like a high, lofty, exalted throne to where his robe filled this entire room. What if you walked in on that? What would your attitude be? He, he goes on and he says, Above him stood these high angels, the seraphim, and each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called out. And the house was filled with smoke. So he says, he sees God on this throne. And he says, then he sees these high angels. I mean, picture these beings with six wings. And it says they, they would take two of their wings and cover their faces. They would take two of their wings and cover their feet. So imagine that. Imagine an angel taking two wings to cover his face and two to cover his feet. I mean, he's just covered head to toe. And then with the other two wings, he's flying. See, even that, even the highest angels are going, man, I can't dare look at that God. I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not worthy to have him look upon me. Are you kidding me? Do you know what we're talking about? 
the high angels are doing this. And one, he's not screaming. He's screaming at the other angel. He's going, holy, holy, holy. He's just looking at the other angel going, gosh, look at this being, man. He's so far beyond us. And he says he was saying it so loud that everything in the room started shaking. And the whole temple was filling with smoke. Okay, this is the God that we just sang to. This is the God who knows my thoughts right now. This is the God who, everyone right now, take a deep breath. Let it go. You were only able to do that because he let you just now. He gave that to you. Okay? Every breath of mine. He just gave that to me. The angels are screaming out how holy he is. He alone is immortal, the Bible says. He's the only one that's got life. We only have life because he gives it to us. Satan only has life because God gives it to him. There's only one immortal being. He sits on the throne. The angels are screaming out his holiness. Everything is shaking. The temple's filling with smoke. Now, if that were you, and you walked into the presence of that, what would you do? Think about that. Well, just, just imagine, you walked into this room tonight by yourself, and you see a being on a throne, high and exalted, train of his robe fills the temple, angels are screaming, he's so holy, he's so holy. The whole place is filled with smoke, everything's shaking. You walk into that room. What do you do? Fall asleep talking to him? kind of casually sing a song or two. See, that's, that's the stuff that got me out of my bed, onto my knees, and go, I mean, seriously, if that God were here right now and you could see him, you know you'd be falling on your face, trembling. I don't, I don't know what your response would be, but it wouldn't be casual. It wouldn't be casual. And that's why, I, like I said, I struggle because... Man, I love the culture out here. That's so me to just be laid back, you know, just enjoy life as best you can. But then when I read about this God, I go, man, there's nothing laid back about him. This is intense, and I want to give him my best. I don't want to be casual about this. And this is why I started getting on my knees in prayer. So trying to imagine, what would you do? Literally, what would you do? Let me show you what Isaiah did. Isaiah, when he saw that, very next verse, he says, Woe is me. Verse 5, I am lost from a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah, he, he basically says, I'm dead. When he says, I am lost, it means I'm about to be destroyed. He goes, I'm dead. I just saw God. You don't, you don't see God and live through it. I just saw him. I'm dead. I'm a sinner, man. He knew immediately. And I think this is what a lot, would go through a lot of our minds. If we saw God, the first thing we'd think about was all the things we've done wrong recently, right? Right? Come on, let's, let's be real. Seriously, if you saw God immediately, it's like, oh, he knows about this. I hid it from everyone in that room, and God knows about it, and he's right there. Right? Isn't that what's going to go through your soul? It's like, I mean, 
You guys ever met people that are so close to God, um, that are living such a godly life, that sometimes you feel guilty just hanging out with them? You know what I mean? Like, they're just, they, they don't want to look at anything impure. They don't want anything impure coming out of their mouths. And it just seems like, man, they're so close to the Lord that you feel, they don't even preach to you. It's just walking with them you feel guilty. Imagine being in the presence of a perfect God. And immediately it's like, you see all your junk. See, it's easy when we're on this earth. We, what we do is we just pick a few people that are worse than us and go, well, I'm doing pretty well. Right? That's why we live in a world that everyone says, well, you know, I'm not going to go to hell for that. Hell's for like Hitler and eh, maybe that's it. You know, like we want to compare ourselves, right? That's what we do as human beings. We want to feel secure that some people are so evil compared to us. But what's it going to feel like when you come into the presence of a holy God? Isaiah just says, I'm dead. I'm dead. But what's beautiful is the next verse. It says, uh, Then one of those high angels, one of the seraphim, flew to me, having his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongues from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. So Isaiah's going, I'm dead. I just saw God. He knows everything I've done. Ah, he's going to kill me. And then when the angels comes over and goes, no, 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 no. God just sent me. And he took one of the coals and touched Isaiah's lips. He goes, look, I just purified your lips. Your sin's been atoned for. Someone atoned for him. Someone reconciled you. Someone made you one with God. You can be forgiven. See, it's so important. That, that's why, you know, people say, well, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I think I'll go to heaven because I'm a good person. Look, anyone who thinks that is guaranteed they will not go to heaven. If you think you're a good person, then you don't need the righteousness of Christ. That's why Paul, Paul in Philippians 3, he goes, you want to brag about good works? You think you've got some good works in you? He goes, I got, I've done way more than you. But in, in Philippians 3, he goes, but whatever I used to count uh, as gain, he goes, I count it all as loss now. In fact, he says, I consider all of that rubbish so that I may be found in Christ, in order that I may be found in Christ. And, and, and those of you who, who know this passage know that that word for rubbish, I consider all rubbish, again, it's that word for dung. It's crap. He goes, all those good works, all those things that made me so good. He goes, you know what? It, it, it would be like handing God a plate of crap. Go here, here's what I did. Here's what I made for you. He goes, that's what I think about all my good works. He goes, in fact, I do that. I have to do that in order that I may be found in Christ. It's either me or Christ. Either it's my works, my good works, or I'm going to trust in what Jesus did on that cross for me. I'm going to trust that God in heaven had his son die on a cross for me. I'm going to trust that on that, even before the cross, when Jesus was on in the garden, going, God, is there any other way? I mean, those of you, how many of you have children? Okay, a lot of you. Can you imagine if one of your children, you know, I've got my daughter with me, one of my daughters. Can you imagine if one of your children looked you in the eye and was screaming out to you, 
Dad, men, think about, Dad, is there any other way? Is there any way? I feel like I'm dying. Jesus says, my soul is grieved to the point of death. He's sweating drops of blood, and he goes, is there any other way? Please, take this cup from me. Okay, if your kid said that to you, three times, looked at you and said, Dad, I feel like I'm going to die here. I already feel like I'm dying. Do I have to go through this? Come on, is there any way you can take this cup from me? And he's sweating drops of blood, pleading with you, and then at the end he goes, but not... Not my will, but yours be done. And then Isaiah 53.10 says that it was the will of the Father to crush him. What? And offer him as that guilt offering. Father looked at his son, screaming out to him, going, okay, I don't want this, but not my will, but yours be done. He goes, my will, I'm going to crush you. My will is to crush you as a guilt offering for what these people have done. And I'm going to make you, my perfect son who knew no sin, I'm going to make you sin on their behalf that they might become the righteousness of Christ through you. And that's why Paul says, man, all the stuff I did, are you kidding me? That's a bunch of crap. I want to be found in Jesus. I want to be found in his righteousness. I want to be found in his cross and his salvation. And that's what happens here with Isaiah. God says, you know what? There's not, Isaiah didn't say, hey, God, if you forgive me, I'll do this. You don't make deals with that being. See, that's what blows me away, is people think they can make deals with God. Like they can reason. I, I hear people say things like, oh, when I die, I've got some questions for God. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? You're just going to walk up to the throne, get your 12 wings out of here. I got Yeah, are you kidding me? No, there's no bargaining power with him. You're just like Isaiah. Either you come to the end of yourself tonight and say, you know what, God? I got nothing. I got no righteous deeds. I can't make up for the things that I've done. You've seen the things that I've done. All my righteous deeds are like filthy rags, like a plate of dung. I need to be found in Christ. And at that moment, God says, okay, let me clean you up. I made him sin so that you could be righteousness. You switched places with Jesus there on that cross. And it's because of that that we go, you know what, Lord? Then I don't want to be casual about you. If you went through that for me, you're a holy God. You're a loving, graceful, sacrificial God. And I'm going to give you my best. I don't care how tired I am. I don't care if I'm in the Bahamas. I don't care if everyone else is going to be casual about God. Not me. And I remember going back to church that next week and going, man, are you guys reading the same book I'm reading? Because I'm looking at all these people just sitting around. This is, this is part of why I got even further in ministry. I'd go to churches and I'd get concerned going, man, do you guys get it? Do you even know who you're singing to? Because I spent years in the church and I had no idea who I was singing to, who I was praying to, 
and who I was going to face at the end of my life. And I believe God sent me here tonight for a reason. I think you're here tonight for a reason. That some of you tonight, you're not ready to face that God. When you hear about him, all it brings is like this fear, and I'm saying it doesn't have to be that way. I'm saying Jesus Christ really is my best friend. He's everything to me. He's all of my security. Doesn't mean I don't fear him. The Bible says I work out my salvation with fear and trembling. But I have total security in him. It's because I'm right with him that I'm not afraid of anything else. I mean, think about that God on the throne with the angels. If that God is for me, who can be against me? I, I don't care what you think of me. <laughs> Why would I care what you think of me if he's okay with me? If, if he looks at me right now from heaven and he goes, man, look at Francis down there. I love that guy. That's all I need. That's all I need. That being on the throne, his angels, high, holy, and me with him, I go, you know, that's all I need. And so I'd encourage you, if there's some of you tonight that you go, you know what? Man, I am not right with him. I, I have, this has been a joke. This has been a ritual. This has just been something I've done because my parents took me to church. You may be 80 years old in here. Today. I've, I've baptized people over 80 that finally turned their life around and said, man, I did not get it. All those years of church and I did not understand him. It's one of the most beautiful things to me. I love when a teenager turns their life around and suddenly goes to their high school and lives a holy life. You know how hard that is? That's a beautiful thing. But you know what else I love? It's someone that's 70, 80 years old that says, humble enough, at that age, humble enough to say, I missed it. I blew it. I'm going to fall on my face and give him what's left. And I go, wow, that's a beautiful thing. And I'm not going to manipulate anything tonight. The Lord's called you to do something in his presence. You've got to make some changes in your life. Or maybe you just got to fall on your face and come into his presence, and that's great. I'm going to have the worship team come up, though. Here's what we're going to do. Again, I'm not, I'm not going to try to manipulate anything here, okay? Because I could tell you some sad story, make you walk an aisle and cry, or this or that. Either the Holy Spirit's working in you right now, or he's not, okay? And that's the only thing that's going to last, okay? My life did not turn around because of some sermon that someone gave me that turned everything around. No, I came to grips with who God was, came into his presence, and go, God, I'm not living like this anymore. I'm done. I've got to get it right with you. I'm not saying I lived this perfect life, but everything changed. I lived my life inside of a holy God. And so as the worship team, maybe just leads in a song. Maybe for some of you, I'm just going to be praying for you. Whatever you need to do. Maybe you don't need to sing. Maybe you just need to pray. Maybe you got to get on your knees. Maybe you got to make a phone call. Maybe you got to just do something to get right with Jesus. But again, I'm just praying the Holy Spirit leads you. I'm not going to direct this thing.